Well, we want to welcome you back to the Heights podcast. Here at Heights, our mission is to love and to lead all people to a new life of Christ. And one of the ways that we do that is by providing content like this. This podcast, we love to engage on topics about faith, culture, and the church. My name is Matt Hogan. I'm one of the pastors at Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. And today I am joined by Carrie Perrin. Welcome back to the pod, Carrie. Thank you, sir. You've been a guest in the past. I have. This is your first time in uh, in our new studio space. Yeah. But we were talking just a minute ago about how this is kind of like season two for our yeah. pod. And so we've got kind of like a little bit of a different look, a little bit different format. Um, but uh, you uh, have had a couple of different jobs, vocations, callings. Many name tags. Um, tell me a little bit. Well, tell tell me and tell, tell our audience a little bit about what you do for a living and what, mm-hmm. what you've been doing and kind of maybe what, where you're kind of headed in the future. Yeah. So... I am, my main career trajectory has been through nonprofit work, mm-hmm. whether it's through YMCA's uh, churches, or even now I, I am the president of the Chamber of Commerce here in Alvin. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, my my main drive is I'd like to help raise money for other people, uh, as opposed to just for my own business. I worked for profit very briefly and hated it so much. I just went full teenage rebellion to for-profit work. And now at 40, it's like, Hmm, I might've lost a few bucks along the way. <laughs> so, but it's been good. And chamber of commerce work, that's what I've been doing for the last four years and how I got a part of Heights. Gotcha. One of the reasons why I specifically wanted to talk to you today is I was thinking about the whole, uh, we're, we're kind of getting started with the holiday season. Yeah. Um, as we're recording this, this is the week after Thanksgiving. Yep. In and fact, this is uh, Giving Tuesday. I was just going to say it. It's Giving yep. Tuesday. So yep. nonprofit is sort of on my mind. Correct. And it's on everybody's mind that's mm-hmm. opened their email today. Yes. Um, yes. I've been I've been getting a lot of emails from a lot of organizations. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have too. <laughs> saying, hey, you know, it's, 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 giving, it's Tuesday. giving Tuesday. Have you thought of the United Way today? Yeah. And so as we're kind of moving into this holiday season, I wanted to talk a little bit about how we as believers engage with the culture around us. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I think that we can struggle with because you know, if, if we are as believers, we come together as the body of Christ and we get in a life group or mm-hmm. discipleship group and we get to know these people and these people really kind of become a family to us. Yeah. You know, we were talking earlier about how like for Thanksgiving this year, like my, my family lives on the West coast. So for Thanksgiving, like I was there with people from my life group. Yeah. Like, and that's how we do, that's how we've done Thanksgiving for several years. Cause we have very close ties inside the church. But the, the, the kind of the other side of that is sometimes it can be hard to build relationships outside the church. Correct. You know, especially for those of us that like work here, yeah. you know, yeah. when, when you spend <laughs> most of your you know work day inside this building, it, it can be hard to like build those relationships. But you are a person that I know who has done a fantastic job connecting with people both inside the church mm-hmm. and outside the church. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wanted to pick your brain a little bit about like, what are some, what are some things that we as believers can do? How can we engage with that culture, be salt and light in our community and, and and fight that that temptation to like be kind yeah. of insular. Yeah, um, you've got a couple things that you need to do just before you put feet on the ground. Uh, you kind of have to reconcile some things in your own heart and mind. So, like for instance, I would say you and I are very extroverted people. Right. So, like when we're at church, we are shaking a lot of hands, high fiving a lot of people, checking in on a lot of folks. To probably to your point where you get exhausted by it by the end, hard to want to do that out and about in the community too. 
Um, so first thing you've got to check with yourself is, am I that extroverted personality where this comes a little easier, natural, it doesn't feel like I'm lifting weights? Mm-hmm. Am I introverted? Okay, we might need to take a different strategy and get very myopic in the way we go about this so that it doesn't become a drain mm-hmm. to where you hate doing any of this stuff with people mm-hmm. uh, because we're called to people and we're called to love people. So that's the first thing is kind of get to know yourself well. Are you going to be energized by this? Are you going to be depleted by this? Mm-hmm. Either way, it's going to change your strategy a little bit. Gotcha. The number two thing you need to do is you need to, especially if you hate this idea, you need to reconcile with Scripture. Mm. Scripture is going to tell you, sorry, you're outward people. You don't get to be insular. Like, I feel bad for the introverts the more I've understood this. Like, oh, you're commanded to go out like, sorry, man, the great commission is such a outward facing thing. The first church in acts is such an outward mobile church. Like that's who we're called to be. Sorry. Like the, you know, that whole church without walls type of mentality that I think our generation has really tried to get back to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's us. So if you're a person that's like, God, don't make me do this. He's making you do this. That's right. So, again, so if you know yourself and introvertedness goes, you need to find out, okay, well, how do I thrive being outward facing? And a lot of it could be I can talk to one person mm-hmm. and and learn and, and be energized by the one-on-one conversation as opposed to, like myself, I need to hit five people before I leave here. Like there's certain folks I got to shake hands with, make sure that they know I care. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and again, as both of us have worked in the church, you might deal with this too. Like if you're like me, your wife's in the car when church is over waiting on you to get there. So if you're the wait in the car person, you've got a different strategy than the people you're waiting on, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But so you need to know yourself, and then you need to know Scripture is commanding you to do this even if you don't like this idea. Mm-hmm. You've got to reconcile yourself with those two things. So then once you know those two things, okay, well, what's a strategy I can take? And that could be a variety of things. So, again, for me, um, my strategy has always been, you know, once Christ convicted me of the reality, there's a ton of people that are in my life right now in this moment that next year they're going to move away Mm -hmm. or they might sadly even something tragic happens. But for the most part, there's a huge chunk of people that are in my sphere right now. Next year they won't be there and they won't be in my life. You know, you think about the church plant you and I connected at, Mm -hmm. I'm still friends with you and Ken and Trina Sutherland who just moved back to town. Mm -hmm. Those are the only people from the church plant that I see regularly from four years ago. Right. And I planted in the same town. Yeah. And a bunch of us went to this church for a while. Yeah. But now 30 some odd people, 40 some odd people are not in my life regularly anymore. And that's just because moves or different things have happened in life and different life circumstances. Yeah. I mean, me changing careers, it changed my sphere of friends overnight. It, it was so dramatic. Like I'm just now reconnecting with a kickball friend that I had 
all the way up through COVID time. That's exactly, you know, that was the first thing I thought about when I was thinking about, you know, how does Carrie connect with people outside the church? The first thing I thought of was kickball. Playing kickball, yeah. So when I was a church, in the church guy, yeah, kickball, athletics was how I knew I would find people who had a like interest of mine. Mm -hmm. Now with the chamber stuff, it's a lot of this networking culture around banquets and get-togethers and I guess it's hobnobbing. I hate that term, but that's what it is. So, but that's really changed my whole set of friend group uh, that I regularly inter- interact with. So, I think the big thing is as you get to know yourself, get to know this command, then you got to get to know well, what's what's that common interest that easily causes conversational type of connection. You know, how do you connect with people is usually on common ground. So what are the things that make you unique? So like you and I am, for instance, you know, we connected outside of church deeply on, we just started talking Star Wars. Yeah. Like that, you know, once that, yeah, once we found out that was a thing that we agreed on, that was 25% of our conversations. And then we got to know each other. Yeah. You know, that's true. Uh, So think about that for me, kickball. Yeah. I'm a sports guy. I love sports. That's where sports people are. I used to be a PE teacher. So it was easy for me to get out there and connect with people that way. Um, Now with like chamber, small business stuff, a lot of my connection is just having been a church planter and having started a church, closed a church. Um, now I just have that weird connection. And we talk about this a lot at the chamber of it takes a special kind of crazy to want to put all your financial risks on your shoulders uh-huh. and not report to a boss somewhere mm-hmm. where they have all the risks and you just clock in, clock out. It's kind of like being an entrepreneur. Yes, it very much is. And so there are several little things about that kind of crazy that you need to have that it is easy to have those conversations with those folks um, and and make it to where, oh, you know what it's like <laughs> to go through this insane tornado mm-hmm. of paying the bills but also wondering where the money comes in. Right. Uh, so there's a lot of common ground that's there that's very unique to – to small business owners, that's hard for people to understand. Oh, that's fascinating! I never thought about that yeah. about the similar uh, the, about the the common ground there. Yeah, yeah. And so, again, just it's boring maybe to some, but the random details that a small business owner has to think of that somebody who works for maybe a large corporation will never it'll never cross their mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, even a church that has a fully functioning staff. We used to joke about this was. You know what I missed when I was church planning? The office supply closet where I could go in and there were the things I needed. I never had to buy those things. Mm -hmm. Somebody on staff bought those, always had it stocked. Yeah. You know, so there's just this weird culture of small business owners, which makes a chamber fun to be a is. So that's the common ground. The other common ground is. So I'm part of civic organizations. Again, Jesus teaches us all to care about the places we live deeply in a ways that, you know, I think one of the bigger things that church planning taught me was your goal is to literally make this town a better place for everybody. Seek the welfare of your city. Exactly. Jeremiah makes a big deal about that in his prophecy as they go over to Babylon is he tells them, guys, don't resist this. You're going to be strangers in a foreign land make this place a better place to live for you and everyone around you. Mm -hmm. And that was going to be a way of the gospel going out. 
unbeknownst to them. So you take that mindset, you know, I moved here, when was that? 2014? So it's been 10 years, I guess, Mm -hmm. that I've been in Alvin. And the Lord has done such a good work on my heart to just love this town and love the weird things about this town, assimilate to this town. And I, you know, I didn't go to school here like you. I didn't graduate from any of these things. I've met the people who have. They get a lot of, like, extra easier doors open for them because they are just jackets, you know, or dolphins. Even though even though Alvin is a decent sized city, mm-hmm. it still has very much it's a, a small very small town, town mine. Yeah. Yeah. And and I would say that's its strength mm-hmm. that is unique to itself. Whereas, you know, we just go up the road to Pearland, it seems to have lost that. Right, because it's a it's a big city. It's now. a bumbling, yeah, it's six digit population bubbling suburb. You know, it it is, you know, the first town out of Houston, you mm-hmm. know. So um, yeah, I had I had jury duty a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and went into the and it was uh, local. It yeah. was uh, at City Hall, yeah. so it was local municipal court. Yeah, and got into a room full of people. And the first thing that somebody said was, as we were kind of all sitting there in that conference room waiting for somebody to tell us what to do, they said, "Gee, I thought I knew everyone yeah. in Alvin. Yeah, like we were all kind of surprised that yeah. there were people in Alvin we didn't know. Yeah, and and it is funny, especially the folks that have been here for decades and they're seeing the growth coming." Like they're genuinely like, oh, it's changing. Yeah. You know, are we going to lose the small town feel? Right. My job is to try to say, no, we'll, we'll keep it as long as we make it our strength and not something we look down upon. I love, I love what you're saying about sort of the conviction to make our, our community a better place Yeah. and how that that's not an option for us. Right. But it might look different depending on what your strengths are and what your interests are and what your personality is. Yes. You know, it, it's real easy for, it's real easy for me. In fact, sometimes I joke about doing pastoral care at the grocery store. Yes. Cause I'm going to yes. see great example. I'm going to see a dozen people from church. Yeah. From, Cause I've actually served two churches in Alvin. Yeah. Um, I'll see people from two different churches yeah. and, you know, say hi and catch up and it takes me forever to get in and out of the grocery store. But I'm again, I'm more of an extroverted personality. It's I enjoy seeing people yeah. at church and all that. Um, it, it's going to be much harder for somebody like like my wife, for example, mm-hmm. who's definitely more introverted. Yeah. But that just means that the relationships that she builds and the strategy she uses to get to know people and to show the love of Christ in her town, it's just going to look different for yes. her. And I love that. Yes. you know, And I love the fact that God uses interests in athletics or nerd sci-fi or, yeah. you know, or uh, entrepreneurial yeah, experience say, to or, like Or even like in our life group with your wife in particular, you know, they got a whole yarn club going <laughs> yes, where, they're, true. where they're knitting stuff together. And it's like, man, that does not speak to me at all. But I'm amazed like, yeah, a lot of people like this is a cool hobby to have of common interest where, yeah, if they wanted to go out to the community with that, it could happen. I was talking to somebody in... In a, a, I was talking to one of the people that was at Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. um, and she's she's definitely more of an introvert. Um, she's a homeschooler, lots mm-hmm. of but lots of homeschoolers in this area. Yeah, and she she made the very interesting observation that like you would think that a lot of the homeschooling tends to be kind of Bible Belt Christian. Yeah, a lot of people in homeschooling would have kind of a very similar worldview. A lot of them would yeah. be churched people. That's just she not says true. she's been able yeah. to get to know a lot of people with very different very different stuff. Yeah. 
um, even in even in Alvin, even yeah. locally. Yeah. Like there's a lot of people, you know, that different religions and different cultures. And, yeah. you know, and so it's been fascinating for her to connect like, with the kinds of people she's gotten to know. Uh, yeah. Even I, just locally. I even in our remember town. when I worked for a private school, Christian school over in Pearland, like we had people from other religions just because they had a very specific belief of, I just want my kid to have a little more one-on-one, smaller cra- classroom size. This place had a great reputation. So we were, we were dealing with other religions. Like it was, it was really cool. And again, I think as Christians, if we can think of, there's to me three basic commands that really shape the way that I view my own personal community engagement is number one, we're called to be an ambassador of Christ to number two, spread the kingdom through number three, love your neighbor. And I think right now in our political culture, we have a really bad, I I would say toxic idea of what kingdom building means. Mm -hmm. And it's not being done through love. It's being done through the force of voting and and legislating, which Mm -hmm. I, again, it's just like, boy, that's not what scripture told us to do. Mm -hmm. Our, Our scripture told us to do it through love. But so I am an ambassador for the kingdom of Christ, literally have the power of the Holy Spirit residing in me to where every step I take, like Jesus took, the kingdom should be spreading. Mm -hmm. And the best way that happens is if I take my eyes off of myself, my wants, my fleshly desires, and focus them on Christ, his self, his wants, his desires, the kingdom spreads wherever I go Mm -hmm. and the way I love other people. And kind of what you and I were talking about earlier of like just being thoughtful and kind to even the strangers we run into, mm-hmm. uh, especially in retail, oh, and especially in the service industry. And especially this time of year. Especially this time of year. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. If, if you've never had the joy of working in a retail shop during Black Friday, mm-hmm. um, you see some of the dumbest, most awful part of humanity oh. of the biggest whiners, complainers, and, you know, my my group of people that I need to ask Jesus to help me with <laughs> are the ones that are looking to get even more of a discount than the one that's written on the piece of paper we paid the money to market. Right. And they're like, but could you do lower? Could you, could I talk to the manager? It's like, or could you just follow the directions that we literally wrote on paper for you to follow? They're like, no, but I want to spend even less. And it's like, yeah, but we're a business in capitalist culture. I need you to spend money because I need a paycheck. You know, I have always been, uh, I have always operated under the conviction to treat um, people that work in the service industry with with love and compassion and respect. I I would love to tell you it was scripture that taught me that. It was working in the industry. (laughs) And... You know, I'll I'll never tell I'll never forget. Uh, this hurts so bad. So you know, Jesus does a mighty work in me in sixteen. So I'm working in the tourism industry at a uh, a restaurant that was on a riverboat, and I was a waiter. And the number of times that somebody would tip us, not with money but with a Bible track. Oh no! And it was like you might as well had just converted all my friends on staff here to atheism. <laughs> Immediately. Oh no! And now I got to go do damage control, right? Because you, brother or sister, decided to be cheap, right? But to give eternal blessings, when they really need physical blessings, and our God was big on physical blessings. 
Yeah. And that, you know, Pastor Lee talks about this frequently, but it's, it's a very, it's a very sad, um, kind of stereotype or it's kind of common knowledge in yeah. the restaurant industry that Christians, Christians are, are lousy tippers. Tip. Yeah, no. And, and I, and I asked, cause I was, I had a cut, was having a conversation with one of our small business owners, uh, a few, a few weeks back and yeah. I asked, I was like, is that true? He's like, Oh, it is it's, definitely it's true. So noticeably true. Uh, Whereas, you know, say we were talking about adoption or fostering Christians, knock it out of the park twice as much as non-Christians. Sure. Yeah. But you get into tipping mm. or generous giving and it does the complete opposite. It's, it's the strangest phenomenon for me as a guy who, who balances in capitalism and, uh, you, you know, just this business world of seeing how Christians, you know, have a noticeable movement among them in mass it is the weirdest thing, how cheap we are. Yeah. It's just a, it's a common knowledge type thing, but you have, you know, you always have exceptions to rules. Um, but it's, it's disgusting how that is a guy who was a waiter. Oh shoot. A church group's going in guys. We're not, we're not making money today. Uh, so it is important to be generous with your tip. And you might, again, say, well, they should just charge more for the food. Again, that's just not how the laws work. Yeah, it's not they, how the system works. They have zero control over any of that stuff. Yeah, It is a tipping industry. If you're doing less than 20%, why? Like, right. why are you doing that? You could be practicing the Lord's generosity like you do for church. You know, we want you to give 10% here. Mm-hmm. But you could be just, again, taking the kingdom outside of the four walls, mm-hmm. and you could represent Jesus just by throwing extra money that direction as opposed to yourself. Yeah, you know, I, I think about this because, you know, as my family has grown, mm-hmm. and I've got teenagers yeah. now, yeah. I've got preteens and teenagers that are eating me out of house and home. Yes. So going out to eat anywhere for us is going to cost a It's fortune. sacrificial, yeah. But one of the things that I just, uh, just one, some of the mental math that I have to think about as I'm filling out that, as I'm filling out that check yeah. is, um, yeah, this is costing me a fortune, yeah. right? This is because I chose to take my family out to eat. This is going to cost me a fortune. The difference between like a 15% tip and yeah, a 20%, 20 yeah. tip is maybe only a couple of bucks. Yeah. We're talking, you so, know, and, we're, and, we're doing that coffee cup math. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And, and That's so what I, it's costing. And me. so I think to myself, like, like it, it doesn't because of the weird way that eating out and percentages and tips mm-hmm. work there. It's not, it's not hard. It only, it's only the difference of a couple bucks for me to be like yeah. a little on the stingy side yeah. or like generous. Yeah. You know, I, I'm probably never going to be that customer yeah. that gets to bless my favorite wait staff with, you know, several yeah. hundred dollar tips at Christmas time. Uh, yeah. The people that, the people that do that, I think it's amazing. Well, That's never going to be me. One of my favorite things I've heard of this time of year, I've got a group of friends that are at the, the chamber, several small business owners. Uh, in fact, I think it's a civics, it's a, it's a women's business civics club. Uh, Sir Optimus, I think it's them. They do a scheduled, let's get together, have a meal together somewhere anonymously and their commitment is a hundred dollar tip from each of them. Oh wow! And they will bless the snot out of somebody that day. They don't tell anybody when they're doing it. It's one of the coolest things. But all of them will come back and talk about how amazing it blesses them to bless that one individual that year. Uh-huh. For them to not see it coming, this blindside, 
generosity dump and they didn't do anything to deserve it. And again, in my mind, I'm sitting there going, what a powerful picture of the salvation of Christ. It's a free gift. You didn't deserve any of it. It is just given to you out of the love of who you were created as. Uh It's beautiful. And I I think a lot of those ladies might not even be like church-going folk. So for them to be like, we're inspired to bless because we've been blessed by the community, Well, it's and, impressive. And, and for a believer, what a better way to think about tipping and gratuity Yeah, to think, how can I bless someone? To think missionally with the tipping. R- rather than feel like it's, you know, based based on performance. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. And, and, you know, and I, exactly. I know, like, a lot of times that's kind of how you think about service in yeah. a restaurant or whatever. But rather than say, well, you know, I, I was rattling my ice for an extra couple of minutes and, yeah. you know, and I was thirsty. Yeah. Like, just how can you, how can you make somebody's day? Yeah. You and know? to think missionally. And again, you know, if our small group were to get together and say, hey, we, we probably can't do the $100 one, but we could do 25 mm-hmm. You know, what if we all just drop 25 on one person and give them a couple hundred bucks? That helps with their Christmas. And that's a big deal to people. That's true. And so you're not only blessing the waitress or waiter, you might be blessing their children. I mean, you have no idea what God's going to do. If you're willing to say to God, I want to surrender this part of my generosity to you as well. as not just my church giving, but my community giving as well. You know, I, um, when I, when I was, uh, I just always operated under sort of the understanding that like, when I'm out in public, I just, I don't want to be that customer. Right. I've been on the other side of the counter. Right. I've worked retail. Um, and I have that, that famous teaching that I like <coughs> to bring up every church I go. If you're a jerk, repent. <laughs> I like if you're and a jerk, learn repent. to be cool. That's what Jesus is calling you to do. But like, so just where I remember back, do you, do you remember back during like 2020 when we were doing all the COVID stuff mm-hmm. and you know, and you had all the weird restrictions about, restaurants yeah, and people yeah. were hanging at plexiglass and there was and, rules about whether you were allowed to be inside or outside three to five days the laws changed yeah of what they had to do and they had to turn it over in a dime immediately you know and and so i just i always i always operate under the assumption that like a smile and mm-hmm. being courteous doesn't cost you anything yes you know and so i remember being in a i, I remember being in a, at a restaurant and picking up food to go during that very chaotic time mm-hmm and just saying to the person behind the counter, hey, I really appreciate the fact that you're here and that you're open, that I'm able to get some some good food here. Um, I, I know it's hard. I know the rules keep changing. Thank you for you know mm-hmm. being, for doing all the effort to to stay open and for mm-hmm. feeding my family. And I just I was just trying to be I was just trying to you know wish somebody a yeah. a pleasant day. You know what yeah. I mean? But she she stopped at me and looked at me. She's like, you just made my day. Yeah. You know, and so so in the same way that like we can bless someone when we're being generous, like with with a gratuity, yeah, I like think we can we can bless people in the way that we talk and interact. I think with if them you too. can, I was talking about this with the youth group the other day when I was teaching their Sunday morning life group. One of the things that I've learned is, you know, Jesus was such a healer everywhere he went. Even the apostles would continue that on everywhere they went. Healing would happen. And you look at our very wealthy culture that we live in, and you might say, well, I'm not that wealthy. It's like, yeah, but compared to a big chunk of the globe, we're incredibly wealthy. Mm -hmm. So you think about how 
you know, modern science over on our end, modern technology over on our end, our first world country, we're hooked up when it comes to physical healing for the most part. Mm-hmm. A lot of us have really hard things. But for the most part, when we feel bad, we can pay some people and we can feel better. So that need for physical healing doesn't seem to be as huge here. But then you look at the mental health detriment that we are all living in. It's a huge crisis. I mean, and you talk to law enforcement or anything like that, mental health is a massive issue that is underfunded and under taken care of. And I think of like what you're talking about there, you are literally spreading mental, emotional, spiritual healing as you go, even though it was a tiny ounce of it. Yeah. But what a relief that is. I mean, that's like the version of a spiritual Advil you just dropped in that person's very hard, stressful world, Mm -hmm. and you refreshed it, and you healed it for a moment. And it didn't cost me anything. Yeah, and who knows where it, again, where it goes to, the spirit can take things incredibly far. Um, You know, what a cool opportunity Heights members have with the Holy Spirit in them to go and just heal Mm. and just be people who are known for healing. That's part of the reason why I was attracted to come to Heights. Mm -hmm. You know, having worked at Hope Dental Ministry for several years uh, with Dr. Boyles and seeing all these Heights volunteers having, I'm on the board with Alvin Meals on Wheels, seeing all these Heights volunteers Mm -hmm. just regularly spreading healing everywhere they go to take away pain. It's an incredible thing to watch. And again, we're not doing it in these massive gestures that are, you know, turning lives on a dime, but we're doing the every day to day in the dirt, making this place a better place to live, turning more and more ground over to the kingdom of God and less to the world. That's fantastic mission, missional living. Like, let's do that on purpose everywhere we go in this town. I love it. I love yeah. how, how do we make this place a better place? Yeah. You know, so as we're, as we're having this conversation on giving Tuesday and as we're looking at moving into the holiday season, mm-hmm. some people are going to be looking at, you know, kind of some second mile giving some ways that they can be generous. Yeah. Um, are there organizations or places that we should have on our radar locally that, yeah. that, that we could help out either with uh, uh, fi- some financial generosity mm-hmm. or with like some volunteer some volunteer man hours. What are some places where we can help and make Alvin a better place? Well, I might promote my website just a little bit at the chamber, but alvinmanbillchamber.org slash list will take you to a list of community organizations. Mm -hmm. And and it has a search bar and you can search community organization. You can search nonprofit. You can search charitable giving. And it will give you lists of places, including Heights Baptist Church, that you could donate to and it will be tax taxable or non-taxable Uh, income that you can report so that you can maybe not give as much to DC. (laughs) So um, lots of places that I have interacted with personally that really, you know, I I can tell you which ones do a really good job and which ones are not quite there yet. Uh, So feel free to bug me. But, you know, it depends on what you're passionate about. So for instance, you know, our pro-life folks, man, Inspira Resource Center mm-hmm. over in Friendswood does such cool things uh, for unplanned teenage pregnancies or just unplanned pregnancies in general. They do such a great job of loving and caring for the mother. That's a big deal to me is even after you have the child, they will still walk with that parent all the way through things. They'll even counsel the father if he wants some help and mentoring uh, to be a good dad, even though he might not be uh, 
married to the mother. Like Mm -hmm. they just do a ton of stuff and have been doing it for years. Uh, So Inspira is a great one. The other one that comes to mind, uh, Alvin Mills on Wheels, I mentioned, they Mm -hmm. will take care of kind of your elderly folks Mm -hmm. who are not able to get out on their own. Uh, Actions Incorporated with Brazoria County does that on an even larger scale through the whole county and even gives folks rides to wherever they need to go, gets them even to the Alvin Senior Center. Mm -hmm. I do feel like I've talked about this a lot with people, charities that aren't children centric seem to get forgotten a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I think Alvin Mills on Wheels and Actions are really important to take care of our elderly folks who... Again, if you interact with those folks, it gets really hard, and especially this time of year, can get a little depressing uh, if you don't have people in your life that are actively taking care of you. Mm -hmm. Those folks do it. Alvin Mills and Wheels even calls those folks every week and and checks in on them and makes sure they're doing okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I highly recommend them. Um, Another one, again, I'm, I'm trying not to hit up the children ones just yet. Another one that I really am impressed with is Archangels of Texas. Mm -hmm. They take care of the homeless uh, population in our community uh, and do all sorts of really cool, creative things. So like in the summertime, they would buy those styrofoam coolers and fill them with ice and water Mm -hmm. uh, on the regular so that they didn't get hydrated in this awful summer. In the wintertime, they're collecting blankets Mm -hmm. and making sure they stay warm. Um, And... The other big things that they do while they take care of those physical needs is if you've got people who are really trying to get back on their feet, they work with them on how to apply for jobs and how to fund their first apartment. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's one of the really cool things to see is when they're able to fund the first couple months deposit of an apartment, they're able to get used furniture to furnish the apartment. Really cool stuff that they do. And in that vein, that ties into the Alvin Food Pantry. Grace Episcopal Church works with them and the Houston Food Bank, and they every week are feeding thousands of individuals. Wow. In a, and it's, if you've ever driven on uh, Lang Street on a Thursday, you see the line, or I think uh, Alvin Food Pantry is over there on uh, Stadium Drive, you see the line of how many people are coming just to get free food. Um, so, and, and again, that's such a huge help so that they can afford to take care of other bills right. until they get all the way back. So you think about getting, you're not just impacting those adults, you're impacting their children Yep. and really making a big difference. And what's cool about both of those places and a lot of our churches in town is that they've now set up donation boxes mm-hmm. by the church that you can just go and drop food off. Mm-hmm. Grace Episcopal even has a refrigerator in the back of their office building. You can go drop frozen food off. Oh, so, wow. And they have a microwave for anybody to come take, use, and take care of people's physical needs. So those are the big ones that I think of, you know, right away. Um, the other ones that I like that work with teens, um, there's a cool new one called Guiding Our Youth that helps kids that are in the foster program but leaving high school. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about folks that are in the system, you know, they get benefits to continue their education, but a lot of them don't know about any of that stuff because they don't have an adult guiding them through it, hence the name Guiding Our Youth. And so what they do is they work with those students that are graduating from high school and all of kind of the free assistance that they get with that and now have to learn to live on their own and they don't have a parental figure that's locked in with them. Mm-hmm. 
guiding our youth helps them through navigating all that insanity that you and I kind of take for granted Mm -hmm. of like how to buy a car, how to get your driver's license, how to apply for a job and not lose it, you know? Yeah. It's kind of hard to figure out how to be an adult when you don't have an adult in your life. Yeah. Like you don't have a parent figure. Yeah. And and we learned this at city view when we would work with kids Harbor, which is another great organization. Um, you know, I rem- I'll never forget the kid I met who had graduated out of Kids Harbor and he sold his vehicle that he had bought and saved up for because the battery died. Oh, no. Yeah. And he it, didn't know that was. A- he had no idea that you can charge that sucker a bunch of times and replace it for less than two hundred dollars. Like right. he had no idea that was a thing. He thought his car was broke for good. Oh, man. And somebody took advantage of it. Mm. So I, I really like guiding our youth is trying to solve that kind of problem, that kind of gap. They're trying to close it. And then you have lots of really cool organizations that help out kids through Christmas. Mm-hmm. Alvin Blue Santa, Texas Hope. Those are really good ones. Um, then you have all the really cool ones that help out dogs and cats. and <laughs> They're everywhere. But they're all on my website, alvinmanfoldchamber.org slash list. You can find all these organizations. But those, those are the ones I've worked with directly that I really am impressed with. I'll go ahead and drop a link uh, in the show notes. Thank you. Um, and uh, so awesome. Man, so God calls us to seek the welfare of our city yeah. and to be salt and light in our community. Yeah. And so, Carrie, I just wanted to say thank you so much for sitting down with me today and uh, talking through some of the ways that we can, not just some of those we, we can think about that, mm-hmm. but then also some examples of some ways that we can kind of, you know, very practically do yeah, that. Yeah, and again, get with your life group if you're having a hard time with this, but just make a plan, commit to the plan, do the plan. Mm-hmm. Like just, but don't sit there and think forever. Right. You know, that's the main thing is, look, we got to figure out how to do, how to be a blessing. So figure it out and make it happen and talk to people who will help you do it. I love it. Yeah. Well, Carrie, you've been a real blessing to me today. You too, Matt. And I want to say thank you um, to everybody who was watching today. And thanks for tuning in and listening. Um, we uh, are a, a Baptist church on the south side of the Houston metro area. We have services at our Alvin location every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. At 9 a.m., we have life groups for all ages, uh, including kids. And so we would invite you to come and join us uh, for worship on Sunday morning, or you can catch our live stream either on Facebook or YouTube. You can follow us on social media. And if you've got any more questions about what it means to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ at Heights Baptist Church, we would invite you to visit our website at heightschurch.org. We'll see you next time.